Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe. Hey, I remembered to say it right up front. (laughs) In case you didn't listen to the intro, you know, it's me. Um, We are wrapping up Black History Month with a look at the incredible Angela Bassett. And I am joined by a fantastic panel, Carla from Bed, Wed, or Behead, Kim from Big Reputations Pod, and Tiff. I I should do a piano thing. She's in her grand piano room. (laughs) Let me tell you a little bit about Angela Bassett. If you don't know who Angela Bassett is, I don't know who you are, but that's kind of weird. So Angela Bassett is an American actress known for her work in film and television since the late 1980s. She has received various accolades, including two Golden Globe Awards, in addition to nominations for two Academy Awards and seven Primetime Emmy Awards. Bassett had her breakthrough portraying singer Tina Turner in the biopic What's Love Got to Do With It, which she should have won the Oscar for, but she did win the Golden Globe and she was nominated for uh, Best Actress at the Academy Awards. Um, This led to starring roles in Malcolm X as the mother of the Notorious B.I.G. in Notorious and as Amanda Waller in in Green Lantern. Her other notable film roles were in Boys in the Hood, Waiting to Exhale, Vampire in Brooklyn, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, Music of the Heart, Olympus Has Fallen, and London Has Fallen. She has also played Queen Ramadan in the in Marvel Cinematic Universe films Black Panther, Avengers Endgame, and sorry, go ahead. I know I pronounced that. Okay, Ramonda. Thank you. Um, yes, I was like, I know I'm mispronouncing that. Sorry. Avengers Endgame and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. For the latter, she won a Golden Globe Award and has been nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. I will try not to say what I said on our last episode for fear I will curse you. Um, on television, Bassett has starred as Katherine Jackson in the miniseries The Jacksons in American Dream. Um, her portrayal of Rosa Parks in the television film The Rosa Parks Story gained her a nomination for a Primetime Emmy Award. Her performances in two seasons of the FX horror anthology series, American Horror Story, earned her nominations for a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actress in 2014 and 2015. In 2018, Bassett began producing and starring as an LAPD patrol sergeant in the Fox drama series 911, which we also covered. We, of course, have talked about her when we talked about American Horror Story. So you can also go back and listen to those episodes. And also when we talked about uh, Black Panther a couple of years ago as well. Um, So I'm very excited to talk about Angela Bassett and to also rage about the fact that she hasn't won an Academy Award yet. It's so bizarre to me. Or an Emmy. (laughs) So weird. 
But, but what I want to first start out with, Carla, is I want to know what first film or TV role made you a fan or you remember first seeing her in. I feel like I've just always seen her. Like, she's just always been there. You know, like I, I, I don't remember ever just first becoming aware of her because she has always been in the background of stuff in my life. But I, I guess along with a lot of people, it must have been what's love got to do with it because that's the, the real big deal one. You know, rewatching the movie, there are so many parts where I just really remember some very specific things that she did because she's just, she just always leaves you like with this huge impression of the way that she approaches a role. So she definitely left an impression with what's love got to do with it. And that's really the first time that I think I took notice of her more as being in the, the foreground than just being this really cool lady who appears in a lot of stuff. This really cool lady that appears in a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Kim. Uh, for me, it was the Jacksons and American Dream. Like that movie was on VH1 like every weekend when I was a kid. And me and my cousins would just watch it over and over and over again. Um, so I think from that, I've always had this image of her as like this very strong mother figure. Like she plays a lot of moms and like she was a really strong mom in this movie. So like whenever I think Angela Bassett, I think like phenomenal actress and mom. Like it just kind of is linked. Yeah. And Tiff? Exactly the same, Kim. It was... Definitely Jackson's An American Dream came on, you know, I think it debuted on ABC. I remember seeing it live. It was on ABC miniseries and I VHS it. I recorded it. <laughs> so I had it on VHS. Um, and I want to say, I think it because it actually ended up being a little too long. So my VHS ran out before the show was actually, before the miniseries was actually over, which was really disappointing and really devastating. But as Kim said, they used to play it on the H1 like every weekend. So I could get my fix, but um, she's so good in that. She's so, so good <laughs> in it. She's, you know, a big part of obviously the, the first half of it. But in the second half, I think she shows a lot of range when a lot of the kids are not necessarily as present as in the first half of the miniseries. But great role for her. Absolutely great role. And that's like what what's in my mind as seeing her like, Oh, who is that? Okay. Angela Bassett. Got it. That That's what that was for me. And uh, like Carla, I feel like she's always been around since I was born. That's what it feels like. I know that's not true, but it feels that way. So it's very hard to say what was the, I mean, I think I'd, I'd seen her and stuff, of course, before what's love got to do with it. But I do think just like Carla, that was the one that really just kind of like smacked me in the face with just how incredibly talented she is. And that was the one that I really, really took notice of her. But it feels to me like she's just been in the DNA of film and television since forever. So it's like really, so yeah, it was very hard because I'm, not positive, honestly, <laughs> you know. So we are going to start with television career. And of course, you know, overall thoughts. And then the dreaded three favorite roles or episodes moments for Angela Bassett. So Carla. All right. So 
here's the thing. Like we talked about with Regina King, this is somebody who primarily you think about as a film person. So I even even though the show 911 is still currently on the air, I mean like it's on hiatus right now, but it's on the air and she has been in the show for 5 seasons and it's a huge part of the show. I still forget that she's on TV sometimes because she is a film actress in my mind predominantly. And also, you know, like the the whole American horror story thing, whatever. It's not really my cup of tea, so I haven't really watched it. And I didn't watch it uh, for this because I just don't have 30,000 hours to devote to anything in my life these days. But there's plenty of stuff out there to choose from anyway. So the first thing that I'll mention is Athena Grant Nash on 911 which is the role that I was, that I mentioned before. I um I don't always love what Athena does. I sometimes am horrified at the way she approaches things, but I love her as Athena. I love Angela Bassett and what she brings to to this role because in a lot of ways because it is a television show so you do have a uh, more time with this with this character than you do with with her movie roles. You get more of the backstory, you get more of her development as a character, more insight into who she is and why she does the things that she does. And I really appreciate that she is, uh, she's not just an amalgam of all of the, the great work that she's done in the past. Athena is her own person. She is flawed and loving and so tough. And scary, but also vulnerable. Um, scary because she puts herself in, in, in dangerous situations a lot. She is one of those, uh, those people who, who it's like, you know, wait for backup. I'm not going to wait for backup. I'm Athena. I am going to march in there and I will do as I please. And she will do as she pleases. And she's going to come out of it, like maybe a little scathed, but. You always, you always end up rooting for her, and it sometimes it makes me mad because I don't like the things that she does. But I love her. I also love that the pairing with with Bobby and their their romance and everything because I I, I like the fact that they um they have two older actors and they're not like I'm saying older like they're like you know in their 80s and you know they're like honey can you hear the TV no I can't you know I can't I can barely hear you. But they're they're mature people who are still very active in the community, and they're you know they're loving people, and they they just really they match these two characters together really well, and and I just enjoy seeing a woman who's not in her early to mid twenties have a passionate relationship with her partner, because we do not get to see that enough, especially when it comes to dark skinned black women. You do not get to see enough of that, um, that loving vulnerability and sexiness and, um, and her being cherished. You don't get to see that enough. I really would have been like so mad if there was a point at which they were like, Oh, are we going to break them up? And I was like, Do you want me to go there and punch your face? I don't think so. Okay. So moving on, Ride to Freedom, the Rosa Parks story in which she plays Rosa Parks. And this movie, let me tell you, was it was like the cheesiest thing. It was so cheesy. Like 
it, it's such a TV movie, such a TV movie. It's like, hi, I am Rosa Parks, and this is my husband. What's his face, Parks? And I live in Montgomery, Alabama, and I will not get off this bus, sir. It's it's like it's so in your face about being a TV movie. Like you're like, oh my god, this is kind of embarrassing that I'm watching this. But the reason that I'm mentioning it is because this is one of her more understated performances where because she always has like that that passion in her, but she doesn't um this character isn't as outwardly fiery as so many of her other characters are. Because Rosa Parks was somebody who became kind of like an incidental hero. This is somebody who just did not feel like getting up from her seat. And somebody who didn't really want to be in the middle of the civil rights movement as uh, as the face of it in any way. She wanted to participate in helping move the movement along, but she didn't want to be the face of anything. She wanted to be the secretary for the NAACP. She wanted to um, to, you know, do stuff in the background. But when she, when people latched on to her and her story, she went along with it as graciously as she could for somebody whose life is being turned upside down. And she, she, um, Angela Bassett really demonstrates with this movie that her range is even greater than you than you think because I think a lot of times when you think of Angela Bassett, you think of the um, the the big voice and the, the that um, her posture, her very regal posture that she has, and her um, her way of speaking that is just so dramatic in a good way. And with this role, it, it's so much more quiet. And I think that that it, it really uh, doesn't get. Okay, the movie gets exactly the attention that it needs, but her her role in it doesn't 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 um, I think receive as much love as it as it should. And the last that I'll mention is her her bit in the the Black Lady Sketch Show from the, the premiere episode. Oh my God. And it's a very small moment that she's in there, but oh. <laughs> just that show overall is fantastic. It's hilarious. But the episode is called Angela Bassett is a bad B. And the skit that she's in, they it, it's like the, the bad B support group. <laughs> there's, there's one girl who's saying, what if I just want to be an okay B? And like all of the the other participants in in the group are like horrified, like how could you only want to be okay? And Angela Bassett's like, well, maybe it's okay if she because she's of course leading the group, and you know, and uh, you know, let's not forget about the fact that she looks amazing, no matter what at any age. But if you haven't yet checked out Black Lady Sketch Show, uh, it's on HBO Max. It's great. It is so funny. And again, she's in one sketch in the, but it's in the very first episode. So you can't, you can't miss it. And then you'll get hooked like I did. And then you will watch the whole thing. And then you won't know what to do with your life once you finish all the episodes. But I, I, I don't think that she's somebody who really knows how to switch well between, um, TV and film because there's, there are some times when, uh, film actors go to do TV. And they kind of suck at it 
because they um they forget that for TV you have to play it a little bit bigger than you do in film or they like go too hard the other way like okay I will always bring this up because it's the the, the cuz I hate him anyway but Brad Pitt in Friends sucked he was awful in Friends because he doesn't know how to go from film to television. He played it way too small. And like I said, he sucked because he sucks. But I think Angela Bassett would have been amazing in absolutely every role in Friends, except for maybe Ross and Chandler. Can you imagine her as Joey? Because I can. So, Kim. So my overall thoughts on Angela is that uh, her level of drama is like almost too much for TV. Like the fact that she graces us, graces our television screens with her presence is amazing. Like she's so good at drama. The fact that she's like, yeah, I'll be on your little TV show is amazing. And I'm going to piggyback off what Carla said, because the thing I listed as number three was a black lady sketch show, because that sketch is so funny. The The whole show is funny, but if you don't have time, which you should have time because it's funny. It's on YouTube. And I like watched it twice before we did this because it's so funny. Like you don't see her in many comedic roles. And you could tell that she had fun with it. And of course, like she looks fantastic. But like she definitely had fun with this like tiny sketch. I I loved it so much. And I want to see her in more comedic things. But the first thing I had on my list was 911. So my mom watches 911. And my mom watches like lots of terrible things. So She's like, oh, it's good. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, mom, whatever. And then like, Aaron, you put it on the list. And I was like, well, I mean, Angela Bass is probably in like two episodes of the show on Fox, like, whatever. It's about emergencies. I underestimated the whole show. I underestimated Angela, everyone. Because I went from, I'll watch two episodes to like one weekend, I'm up, up to like season three. Like, I am obsessed with this show now. It's all I want to watch. And like, her character is so fantastic because like you said she's really vulnerable but she's so strong and like part of that is you know the horrible marriage she got out of and like just changing her relationship with her her now ex-husband now they're like friends so far what i'm up to like it's just it's so amazing how how much range her character has and like her character is like super noble like even to the point where she would like risk her life doing like dumb things and you're like You don't have to do this, but she's so noble that she always wants to do the right thing. So I really love her character in this. And the other favorite character I have, which is like the complete opposite, is uh, Marie Laveau from American Horror Story, The Coven Season. I love American Horror Story, even though I always want to rewatch shows, but I physically cannot watch, rewatch some of those episodes. Like I just got through them. They're so scary and so disturbing sometimes. But The Coven is my favorite season. Like I love witches. And her character is so badass and, like, so dangerous. But also, she has, like, this line of, like, dark comedy running through. Like, she has, like, these, like, nasty one-liners. Like, she's just really, really great in it. Like, and you can tell that she had fun playing the part because, like, the character is so cruel and so, like, ego-driven, which doesn't seem like Angela at all. You can tell that she had some fun playing, like, this really terrible character. So, those are my top three. Awesome, awesome. And Tiff? Okay, so love what you both have to say. And yes, I did watch, I watched 911 from like its inception, but then I fell off. Uh, I don't know what happened. I just stopped watching like regular TV altogether. 
I don't know. It was like a pandemic thing. I just didn't watch, just did not want to watch regular TV anymore. So now I have literally no idea what's going on on 911. So, uh, but I do love Athena Grant Nash. Like Carla said, she does a lot of things that are incredibly problematic, but you still root for her. Go, Athena. But anywho, so my, um, I know I mentioned it, but I'm going to mention it again because it is a television miniseries, but Catherine Jackson, the matriarch of the Jackson family in the Jackson's and American dream, Angelo just, she knows how to play gentle, but she knows how to be tough. There's um, in the second part of it, when she finds out that Joe has been cheating uh, for a very long time and she's <laughs> Kiki Palmer, uh, who's played across Angela, like a couple of different times. She said, you know, it, with Angela, it's in the mouth. She's like, it's the lips, it's the mouth. And she does this. You have to YouTube it if, you, if you've never seen her do this because it's hilarious the way she does it. But she does this, she has this vulnerability in her mouth uh, when she's about to cry or when she's about to get really upset and, you know, and lash out at somebody. So she's, she's like, I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. She says it like, it's like, <laughs> it's like when Bill Withers is singing. <laughs> and, uh, that's what he says. <laughs> And I know, I know, I know, I know. He says it like 27 times, right? She says, I don't want you, I don't want you, I don't want you, I don't want you. She says it like 12 times. You know, she's waving her arms and you can see like just the tension in her body and um, how just devastated she is here. She's given this, she's given this man everything. She's given, her life is her children. Her life is her husband. And she, it was her, the family to her is sacrosanct. She does not, there is no dividing between the two. So the fact that this, you know, who she has, she let him drag her children, you know, all around the country and she didn't see the boys for like months at a time. And the fact that he's been cheating on her the whole time, you can see the devastation and Angela just plays it with so much intensity. And I love that part. It's so sad, but I do love that part. Sorry. But, uh, so yes, so Catherine Jackson and the Jackson's an American dream. I'm going to, um, echo what Kim said about, uh, her turn as Marie Laveau in season three of AHS Coven. I like witches too. I love that season of AHS. It's my second favorite behind murder house. There is a, (laughs) a good article uh, call in Collider where it says why Marie Laveau is the real star of American Horror Story Coven. And it, basically it outlines the reason is because of <laughs> Angela Bassett. Is, that's why she lays the smack down on those witches, on Fiona Good, who is the supreme of the coven. Uh, she is almost in it. Her, her whole, her whole attitude. And we're talking about somebody who has who runs under the banner of immortality, but she has, even though she's immortal, you can tell she has just like rolled with the punches into modernity because she's very modern. Like she's going to let you know, <laughs> she, she lets these people know, uh-uh, here's what you're not going to do when she's in the boardroom. Amazing scene. Also YouTube that fantastic. Uh, so yes. So Marie Laveau. And then my third is actually, she did two episodes of a show called Master of None that was uh, from the brainchild of Aziz Ansari. And she played another woman named Catherine, who is the mother of Deb's best friend, Denise. Denise is, and I'm thinking of one episode in particular, which is called Thanksgiving. And it shows 
it shows uh, Thanksgivings over the course of the years, Denise growing up. And it's Denise is a lesbian and she has a hard time. Catherine has a hard time reconciling that for her. And they're sitting in a diner together and she's saying, she's like, mom, you know, this is who I am. Why can't you just be happy with me? And she says, I don't want your life to be any harder than it already is. And she's saying that, you know, coming from as a black woman to another black woman, she's just saying that it's a really, really quiet performance, but she's so good in it. She is so, so good in it. Uh, If you haven't seen Master of None, I recommend it. It's, it got canceled. Like I think after three seasons, I think it got canceled, but She's excellent at it. Go check it out. So those are my three. Awesome. Yeah, I I agree. Just like when we said with Regina King, the first thing I always think of with Angela Bassett is film, even though I've watched her in so much television. That's the weird thing is that I actually, at least recently, have watched her in more television than movies. So yeah, so I do. But she's great in both mediums. And for characters, I am going to fourth the... It's it is fourth, right? We all have mentioned nine one one, which that role and that whole part was actually created for her by Ryan Murphy. So, um, and she's she's so so great in that role and in that performance. And yes, there is the issue that, and we did talk about this on our nine one one episode with the copaganda part of the show. But I, I got addicted to that show too. Just like you, Kim, I was like, we decided we were going to cover it for the podcast. That's the only reason I watched it. And I'm like, I'm going to hate this show. I don't even want to watch this show. This looks so dumb. And then I got really into it. So, and then I, got, <laughs> then I got addicted to it. And I actually just caught up with it for preparation for this, like with the most recent episodes. But I do love that. I, I do um, love her relationship with Bobby a lot. And that was a ship that was something that I wasn't even expecting. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. So I love her in that. And then I'm going to mention two American Horror Story characters. I am going to third Marie Laveau, who deserved better. I do want to say, though, is that even though I loved her character, I think she deserved a lot better in the American Horror Story universe, especially when she came back again. Yeah. So there's issues that I have with the way that character was treated, but she was so, so fantastic. And it's funny because Coven used to be one of my favorite seasons. And then when I had to rewatch it uh, for podcast stuff, I now, I I actually, honestly, I'm sorry, Kim and Tim, Tiffany, but Tiff, Tiff, what the hell was that? Sorry, Kim and Tiff. I actually just, I hate that season now, but, but, but I love her in it. I still love her in it. I just don't like a lot of the other stuff. And I think if they had cut out, uh, what's his name? You know, Ryan's the, the one that he loves, you know, I never, I can't remember his name. Evan now. Peters. Well, thank you. Evan I'm like, Peters, yeah. I don't remember his name. <laughs> I kept wanting to say Tate, which was his first character, but yes. And if they had cut out Evan Peters character entirely, which was just gross and gross and gross. And just focus more on Marie Laveau. I think that would have been better. And then a character in the American Horror Story universe that she plays that I don't think gets as much attention. And it's a season that used to be my least, one of my least favorite. And now it's one of my favorites. And that's Hotel. And um, that's her character, Ramona Royale. And I, what I love about this character is, and I wish we'd gotten more of her too, is I love watching her feud 
for supremacy with uh, with Lady Gaga's the Countess character. I just I love that, and I love watching her as a vampire too. So I really, um, I really, really enjoyed that as well. But yes, but Marie Laveau is probably, honestly, would be number one as far as my favorite television performances from her because that character is incredible and once again deserved so much better <laughs> and deserved more episodes and more attention than she got on the show. But it was a great introduction for her into the American Horror Story universe too and into Ryan Murphy's world that people just, when they get there, they just never leave. So <laughs> they don't, I don't understand it. He must be like one of the most giving and generous people because they, people never leave once they get there and they're trapped. Okay. So let's move on to film. So once again, Carla and also that dreaded three. <laughs> Well, I was, I'm glad that, that Tiff mentioned it. I was going to mention the, the fact that I've never seen an actor who's, she, she has the, the hardest working upper lip of anybody in entertainment. Like nobody's upper lip works as hard as Angela Bassett's. And also like the, the way that, that she, cause it, it's, it seems to be like a, a three part thing where like, she squints, moves her nose, and then does the lip thing. So it's like this, this, it's like, it's amazing. And it's just like, I hate you. I'm going to breathe through my nose about it. And then I'm going to just with my lip. It's, I, I love her. I love her. She, she does it constantly. And it's not, some, I'm not even complaining about it because I, she uses such a great effect in, um, and everything pretty much that I've seen her in, she does it at some point. And nobody does it like her because I think nobody else does it. So go Angela Bassett. I, I noticed that I think especially, okay, I'm, I'm not, cause I'm not bringing up the movie. So whatever. Anyway, she does it. It's wonderful. I love her. The first movie that I'm going to mention is Waiting to Exhale because listen, okay, I know Waiting to Exhale has a, a big place in a lot of people's hearts. I think it's cheesy. I'm not a big fan of it. I think it's a little overrated. I love her in it. I think she is the best part of Waiting to Exhale. Every single time that she's not on screen, I'm like, where is she? <laughs> Please bring her back. Because she was amazing. Yes, I, I'm just sitting there like, mm, okay, should I fast forward the scene? Um, I guess I won't because it's probably important for something else. But she's a wife and a mom whose husband has has left her not just for anybody but anybody but for her for his white bookkeeper and it is just like her whole world comes crumbling down and she has that that amazing scene that if you have never watched the movie you have watched the scene where she has loaded up his fancy little car with all of his clothing sets it on fire and walks away while smoking and it is just oh <laughs> that that scene is so good it is so wonderful it's also kind of hilarious and there's a there are a lot of times in this movie where she gets to um to have like really great funny lines and um her delivery is always so fantastic because her like her whole heart is in it like she she puts her whole body in everything that she says and yes she has like that, that whole eye nose upper lip trifecta going on but she also 
like every pore of her being is acting when she's acting and i and i love that i also love her of course in what's love got to do with it that movie shows so much of her range because it shows her you know she's like this quiet shy girl as little anime bullock fresh out of middle of nowhere tennessee and i was watching it with with my husband he hadn't seen it in forever either and as as she progresses in tina turner's life and you know they do the thing where where they kind of age her up they start out with like the, the really cute bangs like little baby girl bangs and and everything like that and then she has like the more voluminous hair and then she has a shorter hair and the whole range of big star who's also mom physical changes but you know he, he we were saying when we were watching it how good she is at adapting her body to each of the stages in tina turner's life because when she's playing her as as like a younger girl she has like all of the excited body language and that um that energy of being like really shy but also being confident in her talent and having her her inner light dimmed when she's being treated so horribly by this awful man even though she still retains her her dignity and and her um she has lost her sense of self but she still knows that she's worth something and she's trying to to rescue that and you know bring it back out up until the last time that we see Angela Bassett as Tina Turner, where she has regained her sense of self and, and she has found a spiritual, a spiritual center and has gotten what she deserves out of life. Despite having to go through the worst situation to get there. And the, the whole story of Tina Turner and her perseverance and, and um, having to deal with such awful abuse. It's very hard to watch. It's very hard to watch. And I think that's kind of like the purpose of, of the film. It's like, you know, it's, they don't dress up abuse. They don't glamorize it in any way. They don't glamorize her, um, her life during that time. The fact that, that she is playing Tina Turner, you get lost in her performance. You forget that she's Angela Bassett playing somebody else because she does such a good job of um, portraying the, the the all of these feelings. And I think you know, Aaron, you had mentioned it at some point when the one thing with uh, biopics is that when they're just when the um, or maybe it was Yusuf. I forget. But somebody brilliant mentioned that when actors are in biopics and they play the this famous person, you know, like as a mimicry, where it's just like very precise and exactly the same. It does. It, it just. It, it's like it doesn't feel very real. It, it just. It's it's a mimicry. But when an artist takes the time to create based on a real person, a character that is being portrayed on screen, that's when you get a really great biopic, not just a good one, not just a good performance. It's a great performance. And 
I know we all feel that she was robbed that year of the Oscar because she absolutely deserved it. I've listened to several interviews with her talking about how she went about portraying Tina Turner and everything that she did to, um, to lip sync. And you can barely tell that she's lip syncing. Like you, you just, I was solidly in the camp that thought that, well, clearly Angela Bassett can sing because <laughs> even though it sounds exactly like Tina Turner. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's just hard to believe that. How did this not come out of your mouth? It clearly, you, you sang it like, don't, don't lie to us. You know, we know, but no, but she, she, um, it's that, that magical mix of her talent and the raw material that really made the performance as amazing as it was. And I, I just, just shocked that she doesn't have an award for that. Now I could mention for my third movie, the, um, the well-loved and revered a vampire in Brooklyn. However, I will not, <laughs> even though I know somebody else, I will. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure somebody else is, it wants to give her um, an Oscar for that one as well. I wouldn't doubt it, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, okay, I could go serious and go with Malcolm X because of course she was amazing in that, but I'm going to go with something that was a lot of fun, which is gunpowder, gunpowder milkshake. I actually, I really love this movie. <laughs> I knew it. I knew, I knew it. Aaron I remember knows how much so you well. love that movie. Yes, I love that movie. <laughs> that, this movie is, it's silly fun. And the thing is, like, I didn't even know she was going to be in it. All I know, okay, they said, here's this cool looking action movie that Karen Gillum is in. And when you say the words Karen Gillum, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be very excited about it. So, of course, I started watching this movie, no questions asked, had no idea what it was about, was thoroughly entertained because it's a very entertaining movie. And it's just women kicking butt. That's what the whole movie is. Women kicking butt. And Angela Bassett is one of the women kicking butt. And not only that, but she is like the master librarian for like this gigantic cool library. And who doesn't like, oh my God, it's like butt kicking librarians. All right. It's butt kicking librarians. It is everything that I ever wanted to grow up to be. And it's in this movie and Angela Bassett is one of them. And I'm just like, what? Nobody told me that she was going to be in this. And it's good that they didn't because then I would have just like fainted right then and there. So this like, you know, saved me worrying myself that, you know, I was falling ill from too much awesomeness, but the role, it's not a huge role in the grand scheme of things, but it's a very important role because she plays a very important part of the world of this movie. And I, I love that she gets to, again, kick butt, be a librarian, and also be this very like loving, nurturing, supporting person who's also kind of like doesn't want to be that. She wants to, um, go about her business and be left alone. And she's like, Oh, why are people calling me? That's me. That's me. Like, why, why do, why do people want me to do stuff? I, I was happy in the back doing my own thing and people are calling me to do other stuff. And now I have to do that stuff too. And this isn't cool, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it super well because I'm not Angela Bassett, but you know, in my head, sometimes I am. So like who, 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 who would not watch this movie and come away thinking, oh my God, 
all of these people are super cool and Angela Bassett just got 50% cooler in my head. So if you haven't watched Gunpowder Milkshake, check it out. I think it's on Netflix. And like I said, you know, Karen Gillan and then you're like, oh, cool. It's that, that one lady from all that stuff. And then Angela Bassett is in it. And then you smile even bigger. <laughs> I love that I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I am not surprised that you knew, even though I didn't even put it on, on my thing. Because I was like, it's a silly movie. Why would I mention that? There's so many other bigger roles. And then last minute, I was like, I can't. I have to mention it. So, Aaron, you know me better than I know myself. Yeah, and and um, it was last uh, last week when we did Regina King. I know Tiff was mentioning Ray and how, yeah, how Jamie Fox and and I I agree, and I know Carla, you agreed too that that was more like an impersonation and yes, a performance. So. Yeah. yeah, see, I knew it was somebody beautiful and brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Kim, to my overall thoughts was that uh, she works really really hard, and the industry like doesn't give her enough flowers and i'm glad we're doing this episode so we can give her the flowers and the applause because you mentioned at the top that she doesn't have an oscar and emmy but she also doesn't have a BET award she's been nominated for like nine of them but she does not have one because i was looking i was looking her up and i was like oh man she must be so close to an egot right no not at all not at all and it's like really sad because her performance like she's great in everything and it just feels like a real shame that hollywood hasn't noticed or I don't I don't know I don't know what the problem is. I don't know what the problem is. Um but we're here. We'll give her her flowers and her awards today. So the first one I last said was um the one that she should have won the Oscar for like everyone said uh what's love got to do with it. So that role made me love her. It made me love Tina Turner's music and it made me hate Lawrence Fishburne for a very long time. Like almost present day, I think I've finally forgiven him, but like I did not like him for the longest time. And what Carla, what you were saying that um how nuanced her performance is with like every like aging up like it's also perfect there's so many scenes that like stand out as like well this is an oscar winning performance right here and like this one is right here like from the first time he gets violent with her where it becomes like i'm just like a young girl married to this guy and i'm in so much love and then it becomes violent and like she becomes a different person and like you can see it like i think you're right like it's not her doing a mimic performance it's like she studied the material and she like became her in that doc. There's a documentary on HBO uh, about Tina Turner, where she talks about at some point in the relationship, she just like didn't care anymore about her life and she didn't care about anything. And you can see that in Angela's performance. Like you can see her just being like, Sue's going to kill me. So whatever. And just like, she shuts down and you can see that happening. So I, she really should have won for this and it's really frustrating that she didn't but yeah there's just so many scenes that stand out like her escaping the hotel the scene with the cake like there's just so many scenes that stand out as saying oh this is when she should have won or like oh this is when she became like this huge dramatic actress like this is it like i think that's where it kind of put her on the map for me of like oh this is someone to like pay attention to this is someone that's going to teach other people how to be a good actress like that movie is absolutely fantastic my second one was Waiting to Exhale for all the same reasons Carla said. The car on fire, like, her character is such a badass, but, like, she for her character forgets because she's in this marriage that's terrible. Like, her life falls apart, her family is broken, and she has to start all over and rebuild herself, and that's, like, really hard. But, like, this character 
did that. And it was amazing to see. And you're right, the rest of the movie is a little a little floaty, except for Loretta Devine's parts. I really like Loretta Devine in that movie. <laughs> so you can fast forward between everyone else's parts. My third was Black Panther because she will always be a really loving, supportive mom to me. So like seeing her in roles where she's like, just this mom giving like guidance. And I feel like she, she emotes really well as a mother. And like for like this genre, like there's not a lot of black women in this genre. And we have like Halle Berry, but like, there's not a lot of like black leads or like black people of importance in superhero movies. So like seeing her do this felt like it kind of elevated the genre a little bit for me. And I feel like I had to wait until I was like, when that movie come out like four or five years ago, like I was in my thirties when I got to see someone like of such importance in this movie. So like for me, like Black Panther's like up there. So I'm really hoping, fingers crossed, that she wins. And it's like, actually, this is for what's love got to do with it and everything else that you've done. Here's your award. (laughs) Yep, which I know sometimes people get upset about that, but I will not be upset about that. If if that happens, I'm knocking wood right now. So yes. So Tiff? Yes, I'm going to third. What's love got to do with it? Because as I sit here and I'm thinking, you know, I was just like, oh, let's let's do the Googles here. Let's see who the nominees for Best Actress in a Leading Role in 1994 were. Well, if you're interested, dear listeners of It's a Fandom Thing Pod, it was Stocker Channing for Six Degrees of Separation, Deborah Winger for Shadowlands, Emma Thompson for The Remains of the Day, Holly Hunter for The Piano, and Angela Bassett for What's Love Got to Do With It. And the winner dear folks, was Holly Hunter for The Piano. Now, if you've ever seen that movie, it's a great performance. It's really good. I hate that movie. But I hate the movie. Yes. (laughs) The movie sucks. It sucks. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) But I will say that Holly's performance is pretty darn good in it. Is it iconic as What's Love Got to Do With It is for Angela Bassett? It is not. And that's how you know things are iconic because people will still to this day talk about Angela Bassett as Tina Turner in What's Love Got to Do With It. How many people are talking about Holly Hunter in the piano? Crickets. Crickets. Kim is making the zero sign. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's how you know things are a game changer. Things are, this is a performance that will stand the test of time. When we are talking about her in that limo where she just gets fed the F up. She is done. She is 1000% done with Ike and she whoops his A double snakes. He's whooping on her. She's whooping on him. She walks into the, you know, she walks into that hotel and it is such, here she's, she's in this beautiful white suit. She's, her hair was still, you know, kitted and fitted and all this kind of stuff but she's bleeding and she's bruised and she's bloody and she's limping she's got one shoe on and she gets to the front and she has no money she has no money this is one of the biggest superstars in the world and she had no money no credit cards no checks nothing and they have to and they said we know who you are miss turner you know it's our pleasure it's our pleasure to give you a room. And that right there, that moment right there where she breaks down, woo, woo, my heart, my heart, because it's the first time I think in such a long time that she's been shown any type of kindness. And it, it, I think it threw her for a loop because here she's thinking, you know, this is another person that's going to beat me down. It's going to, you know, really just like piss on my circumstance and I'm going to get thrown out of this hotel. And they're like, no, 
come on in. You you can lay your head down and rest. Yes. What's all got to do with it? I will cry forever until my dying day that she was robbed. <laughs> she was so robbed. I'm going to go with, and I love her as Bernadine Waiting to Excel. That is, but as Carla said, um, that movie is, it's, it's pretty cheesy. It's, it's definitely a mid nineties, um, <laughs> black female friendship movie. It's got all the, it hits all the tropes, but I mean, that's not necessarily their fault because, you know, it's, it is obviously based off of a Terry McMillan novel. So it's not necessarily their fault, but Angela was fantastic in it, but I'm going to go in a different direction and I am going to take, um, her as Betty Shabazz and Malcolm X. At the time, she was not Dr. Betty Shabazz. She became doctor later on. So she was, um, she w- but she was a nurse. She had a nursing background. Uh, she's so gentle. She's, she's gentle and she's genteel, which I just love. I love, love, love because Malcolm, in his, in his outside persona, he is passionate and he's fiery. And when he gets home, this is what he needs. He needs his partner, his wife to be this balm. You know, he needs this soothing nature to help with all of the other things that they're having to deal with as a black couple in the U.S. And, you know, here they have four little girls. Also, it is it's tough role. She has to be mother. She has to be counselor. She has to be medic. She has to be, you know, teacher. She has to be all of these things. And she does it so, so well. The end of um, the, the very end of the not the very, very end, not the final scene, but the scene when she's sitting there after he's assassinated and she's sitting there and the tears are just rolling down her face. You know, she's, she's clearly in shock, but the tears are just, and it's a side profile shot, you know, Spike hits her from the side and it's a side profile shot. And she's just, you know, there's just tears, tears, tears. And he does it. He holds that frame for about, I think probably maybe three minutes or so. But it's, ugh, it's utterly devastating. It, it's, it's devastating. It makes my heart beat fast when I think about it because it's so, so good. It's just so, so good. And I'm actually going to pick something that is fairly recent. Well, really recent. I'm going to go with Black Panther Wakanda Forever. She's great in Black Panther. She is on another level in Wakanda Forever. She is on another level. I... I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody because I know it's, it's still fairly, you know, recent and I know it just, I think it just hit Disney plus. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say anything that happens, but she is gorgeous in this film. She is absolutely gorgeous in this movie, the way she plays off of um, Letitia Wright's Shuri. And then the way she plays off of uh, Denai Gurira and, you know, Okoye. It is an amazing, amazing movie. It is, it's, it's, um, it's Ryan Coogler's magnum opus. It is, it's his magnum opus. It, it was hard for me to think that something could catch Black Panther and he exceeded it. He exceeded it. And she is probably the main part of that as to why it exceeds Black Panther. So she was, she's incredible. She's incredible. So knock on wood for the Academy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're snapping. We're making the sign of the cross. Nam young reggae kill. We're doing everything. We're covering all bases here. <laughs> 
Yes, but she yeah. she's amazing. Can I give a um, a uh, an honorary mention to also to yes. Akila and the Bee? I love that. Movie. Yes, I love that movie because I was I was in spelling bees as a kid, so I love it. <laughs> yeah, Angela Bassett is basically she she can play any any role I think that is given to her, but I think she's another actor that like she's one of those actresses that I think people kind of feel like they've pigeonholed her into certain roles, but yet she kind of breaks out of that, if that makes sense. Like she can do basically anything you throw at her, she's going to do it. Um, And one of the roles I'm going to mention is not necessarily even going to be like one of the best movies in the world, but it's, I just recently watched it for the first time. And it's just because there's a moment in there where she does that, where she just, she adds layers to every single character she plays, no matter if they're in there for like five seconds or like five minutes like in the movie um passion fish where she's in there for just like a one scene but she still adds so many layers to that even though she's barely in it so she's definitely one of those actors that no matter what the role is she's going to show up and give everything and you just imagine she's created a whole backstory for whatever character it is and she's in the moment and receptive to what ever is going to be offered to her to whatever her scene partner is going to do as well. Um, including even if her scene partner is just herself too, because she has scenes like that too, where it's just her. And I think sometimes when you're watching actors performing and it's just them and they're not necessarily even saying anything, it's pretty incredible to watch that and to watch their eyes. And she's another one that you see the character fully in her eyes and her body, like has been mentioned. And the way she physically holds herself. And um, to, again, echo what's love got to do with it. And I know when that first came out, a big, big thing people talked about was the physicality and her arms, her amazing arms. And yes, she did do that physical stuff. But she also, the also the physicality wasn't just the way her body looked. It was the way she held her body. Like has been mentioned before, you watch, you know, you watch this you watch her, you watch Tina Turner as she goes from this scared, innocent, not scared isn't the right word, but innocent, like, you know, not a care in the world, almost like everything is beautiful and lovely and wonderful. And that first time she sees Ike performing and it's like this little, like, you know, teenage flutter puppy love kind of thing. And then to a woman who has been torn down and ripped to shreds by this horrible man. And to watch that is so incredible. That takes a lot to really do that, to go from, and most movies are not shot in order. So she also has to be in whatever state and stage of life that character is in for whatever day they're filming. So she could have been filming when the character's down the lowest one moment and then that scene the next day. And she's always there, always present. And yeah, like Carla, I thought she was actually singing <laughs> until I thought she wasn't. I'm like, she has to be singing. This is not just lip syncing, you know, because she's there. She's so present. And I know Tina Turner always loved this, was very, very, very honored by this performance. And you can tell, I think that's why the, that's another reason why the performance is so good because she is paying, she's honoring Tina Turner is what she's doing. She's honoring this amazing artist who just got to the point where, you know, there's so many great, like that, 
going into that hotel is just, oh my gosh, it just breaks my heart thinking about that scene. And that's so beautiful. And then the, the scene in the dressing room before she goes on for a performance and Ike shows up and he's got that gun. And it's like, she's like, you know what? Just do what you're going to do. I've won. All those people, they're here for me. They don't care about you. They're here for me. I've won. And so you can do whatever you want to. You can't hurt me anymore is what she's saying. And it's such a powerful moment because that was, I think, the moment when she really, really took her power back. She'd already started, but that was the moment. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing performance. And not only do you not remember, going back to the Academy Awards snub thing, not only do you not remember Holly Hunter's performance as much, you don't remember those other women who were nominated. Like you do Angela Bassett. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Six Degrees of Separation. I mean, I remember that movie, but I don't, it's not like I sit there and go, oh my gosh. And not that she's not a great actress, but I don't sit there going, Stalker Channing was just blew me away in, in that. So, you know, so that's the other thing is it's iconic and lasts forever and all the other ones don't. So, and that's not, once again, that's not to insult these other actors. It's just to point out a fact. And, you know, I mean, we can all say, you know, why this didn't happen. It's racism, pure and simple. So, you know, there's no other way. If that had been a white singer and that role because the other thing is the Oscars love these kind of performances. It's tailor-made, which is not insulting the performance either, but it's tailor-made for that. The Oscars eat that up and they award it to much less <laughs> deserving performances in that genre. Bohemian so. Rhapsody, Bohemian Rhapsody. Exactly. Yes. Rami Alex. sorry, but uh, <laughs> it's very true. So it's definitely racism because this is, I mean, they're like, okay, we'll just, we'll give it the nomination, but we're not going to go so far as to give it the award, even though we should. If this was a white woman, we definitely would have done that. So, um, and then next I'm going to fourth again, waiting to exhale. Sorry, we're all being the same on those, but they're just, but it's, but I think it also speaks to how iconic those roles are. So I'm not sorry. So yes, I do agree. It is kind of cheesy, but, <laughs> but sometimes cheesiness is okay. So <laughs> and she's so good. And, and I, that it, that you kind of forget that it's like, she, she raises the bar. She elevates the material she's in. So even though it is that cheese factor, you're still like, oh, yes, yes, I, I love watching her. So it makes it so that it's such a memorable performance that even though we've all said how cheesy the movie is, we still love her performance in it. So, yeah. And then this is not a good movie. And this is a recent movie. I don't think it's that good. I don't know. Maybe, maybe my panelists will disagree with me. This was a Netflix movie called Otherhood, all about these three mothers <laughs> Their kids forgot to wish them Happy Mother's Day, and they all go to New York to confront their children. I know, I know, everyone, I know. I, I had something totally else in mind to choose, but there's a reason I'm doing this. My panelists are like, how could you choose this movie, Erin? <laughs> there's a reason. <laughs> I know, I was like, I really shouldn't mention this because everybody's going to leave. They're going to be like, this is worse than choosing Vampire in Brooklyn. So please forgive me, panel. <laughs> the reason I'm choosing this is because of a scene. Honestly, it's just a couple of scenes. Like, 
I'm watching this movie and I'm like, oh, this is just, yeah, whatever, cute, fluffy, whatever. But there's her character is like very um not stuffy isn't the right word, but kind of that way. And she's she her husband died and she's clinging to her husband's memory and she ends up learning some stuff about her husband later on. But she's going, you know, she's going to this club for like this opening thing for her son. And her son has been like, sh- frankly, her son treats her like shit. Honestly, all the sons in this movie treat their t- their moms like utter crap. But her son has been treating her like crap. Doesn't, it's so ashamed that she's there supporting him and all this stuff. Like, and she just decides she meets this other woman there who she was thinks is perfect for her son. <laughs> she's like, this is who you should be with. And she gets drunk and she hasn't, like, you get the feeling she hasn't done that in forever. And she goes out, starts dancing, and she is like, you know what? I'm going to dance. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what you're going to say anymore to her son. And she's like, I love dancing. And all the, she's just so fun. And then she goes out. She takes the other mothers out, and they go clubbing and eating pizza and all this stuff. And I know this isn't a great movie, so it's weird to point this movie out. But I'm pointing out because of that, because I think what's so interesting is that really she – her. Angela Bassett honestly wasn't given much to do in that role. It was kind of a thankless role in a lot of respects. It wasn't, I don't think, written the best. But that scene, she took this character that you already had decided who they were. And yes, we've seen this done before in movies where these characters let their hair down and they go and have fun. But she does it in this way where it's like almost like you're watching like a teenager go out for the first time and party. And I don't know, it was just so adorable and cute that I decided I would just <laughs> choose it as one of my favorites. So Erin, no, I have to tell you, I almost had this on my list, not for that same scene, <laughs> but for the scene where she Yay. throws the mattress off the balcony. Oh, yeah. Because she comes home as a completely different person. And you're right, like this movie, this movie's weird. All the sons are terrible. It's very Like weird. they're all horrible. And, like, Angela's the only one that has any kind of, like, she comes home like an actual different person. Like, everyone else is like, oh, my kid hates me, and now I kind of understand why. Like, it's a weird (laughs) movie. Like, Angela comes back as someone who's like, oh, everything in my life is not what it was before I went to New York, and now I'm coming home as a different person. I think, like, maybe she got a different script or she read it differently from everyone else. But I almost had it on my list and I was like, I can't put this movie on my list. And then I deleted it. But it was on my list. So you're not alone. Oh, you're not alone at all. It was on my list. I'm like, I've got to change this to something more powerful and impactful, but I just couldn't it. Good. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. Because <laughs> it's true. She, do, Yeah, that, that it is kind of a weird movie because I thought it was just going to be these three moms going, well, screw our kids. We're going to go have fun on our own. But instead, they're going to confront their sons, which was just weird to me. I don't know. But like all of their sons hate them. I'm just like, I know. I, and I, like, I understand that people have like dynamics with their parents. But I'm just like, what happened? Like all of them hate their mothers and cannot be bothered. And just like the one like Patricia Arquette. No. Yeah. Patricia Arquette. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. She like makes her son dinner. And he's like, oh, what is this? She broke it I and know. made me dinner. <laughs> <laughs> They're all so mad that their moms love them. I'm like, this movie is terrible. 
It's true. They're so mad. Their mom's love them is exactly what it is. Yes. And then eating the pie. And he's sitting there eating the pie. I can't believe she did this. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've never watched this movie. I've never even heard of it. And now I'm, like, morbidly curious. Like, maybe I'll go and watch it and be like, okay, maybe I'll take notes on what not to do. But it sounds like no, like no, nothing that they could <gasps> I know what this is about. This is an anti-New York propaganda movie. This is, Probably. don't let your children go to New York. They will get sassy. They will get sassy and they will, they will not eat your pie and they won't like it when you support them. Don't let your kid move to the big city because they'll forget yes. about you. I mean, maybe. Oh my God. That's exactly what this is. I can't believe. Oh my God. We need to tell everybody. Okay. Don't support this anti-New York propaganda. Wow. My, I just blew my own mind. It makes sense, though, because they get to New York and seriously, all their sons are so... I mean, the only one that I kind of understood, but it's because I don't like her anymore since her whole little, you know, college scandal thing is Felicity Huffman's son. It's the only one I sort of understand. <laughs> but the other two, I'm like, what the heck? And like... And Angela Bassett's son is like, <laughs> when she first sees him, when he first comes in, like, no, it's not the first time, but he comes in and he's got his date and he didn't, and his date's like 17 or 16. <laughs> and he's like, he didn't know though, but, <laughs> but they treat it as such a funny thing. And I'm like, this is not funny. <laughs> okay. It seems like, like these, these, these sons have a lot more going on behind the scenes and just th not liking their moms. Because, wow, yeah. this is yeah, a good Denise like they, therapy. And, and they try to give reasons, like with Patricia Arquette, it's, oh, she's the meddling mom, and she didn't like my girlfriend. And um, with Angela Bassett, it's that uh, the father was really hard on the son, and she never stuck, stuck up for him. And then um, I don't even remember what it really is with Felicity Huffman's son, except for like she was never there. Or I yeah, don't she was like busy trying to make like her marriage work and they got divorced anyway. So like now she talks about her ex-husband a lot. And oh, yeah. the, the son is super, yeah. he was like, he's my father, not your husband. And it's like, who's your, he was her husband for <laughs> oh years. <my> like, <laughs> relaxed. <laughs> it's, it's on Netflix. It's a weird watch, but it's it's worth it to be like, what's wrong with these men? Like, why do they hate their mom so much? We should look into the writer because I don't think they're okay. Like, I don't think they're okay at all. I do think it. I I do feel a little bit better that you almost had it on your list though, because I was like, should I do this? But it's just that scene. I almost messaged the the um our DM when that scene came on. I'm like, oh my gosh, this movie was like nothing. Thing, and then this scene happened <laughs> so um forgive me everybody so angela bassett has also directed and i wanted to go over a little bit of what she's directed not too much not like um i think regina king did a little bit more has done a little bit more than angela bassett i'm just saying that because we did regina king last week but she did direct two episodes of American Horror Story um one from season seven episode nine which season seven if you don't know is the is cult and that was drink the kool-aid and then also um season six which is roanoke which is thought of as the worst season of american horror story but she directed chapter six which was ironically enough the sixth episode so season six episode six chapter six 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 <laughs> <laughs> Taking their headphones off. 
Wow, that was quite the reaction. (laughs) She also directed an episode of Breakthrough, which I don't know what this is. But she had, uh, this is from 2015. She directed Water Apocalypse, which was season one, episode six. And then she directed the Lifetime biopic Whitney from 2015. So that's probably the biggest one you can kind of see more of her skills from. I know, I think it's sometimes hard to judge just TV episodes because you don't always know. Um, so Carla, I know, I don't know if you're directoring school, if that's started yet or not. It has not. I have yet to hear from anybody reaching out to me and saying, Hey, Carla, I want to teach you to be a good director in your, um, in, in this proposed directoring school. And frankly, I'm disappointed because this was days ago that I talked about this. It, we're recording on a Saturday and the episode released yesterday. And it, it's been, <laughs> it's been over 24 hours and nobody has reached out to me to say, Hey, Carla, I think your your course for directing for you specifically is a great idea. So I I'm I'm just it's a very heavy heart that I have right now. I am very deeply hurt. I am absolutely taking this personally. And I just I don't know. But Angela Bassett as as you know, I know next to nothing about directing except that you get to yell stuff like action and cut and this has Splenda and I asked for raw sugar. <laughs> what are you doing, Bethany? Bethany. So um, my skills are very limited in both directing myself and de- detecting good directing. So I will recuse myself from this portion. And I will only say that because as far as like, oh, what kind of projects would you like to see Angela direct in the future? I have none because again, what do I know about anything to do with that? But I will say that I would love to see her do a, um, like, kind of like um, waiting to exhale, but better. And in her current age group with like a group of women who want to go on a trip together. So it's like, a, okay, so, so we're kind of like mashing together some, some elements from how Stella got, got her groove back and waiting to exhale. But again, better. And where it's, it's, it's for waiting to get your groove back. Yes. Oh my God. I love it. Tiffany, you and I will write this for her. We will send it to her and we will, um, we, we will offer to direct it. How about that? Dream makers. Dream makers. Yeah. <laughs> so she, and she, she can even pick her co-stars. I don't care. She has good taste and stuff. So maybe she, and she also knows these people better than we do. So like, you know. And, and, and so they're going to go on, on a, on a trip. They're going to, it's like also girls night. So they're going to go on this trip and it's going to be funny. And they may or may not end up hooking up with people because it's not about that. It's about their friendship and it's about kooky shenanigans. And she will be in it and she will get to do dramatic, serious things where she gets to raise her voice and say, I will not put up with this treatment, sir. And she will also get to have more tender moments where she's like, you are my best friend. And I would never, ever, ever let you go anywhere with that man alone. Don't you understand? And she will get to do her, 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 
eye, nose, lip thing in that very scene. Tiffany, are you writing this down? Because I think that's that's the moment. <laughs> I have a full page of notes right here. Beautiful. Right Thank here. you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so that that is my contribution to this portion of this episode. Thank you for your time. And that was very directorial how you said tiffany are you taking these you see i'm already learning it's not even osmosis it's just like like i don't know i'm assimilating from the air the vibes of directors who want to do the directory school for me are just reaching me oh this is this is perfect thank you everybody thank you josh rubin i know that you're out there pulling for me he is he's <laughs> I was going to say, it's actually been 48 hours because I posted the clip of you. That's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe it has been this long. And there, there's not a single DM anywhere for me saying, Carla, I, a very talented and famous movie director, want to teach you the art of directing. Not a single one yet. Yet. There is still time. It'll happen. It's got to happen. Happen sometime. It'd be really funny if all of a sudden you hear this ding, there's the DM. Yes. (laughs) And then it's like Regina King being like, hey, listen, so I listened to this episode. And the one takeaway that I got from it is that you want me to teach you how to be a director. That is the only portion that I I really paid attention to. And we're going to make this happen for you. I'm going to say, Regina King, thank you so much. Because I did tag her in the Instagram post. (laughs) Yes. I'm I'm already thinking that maybe Josh Rubin maybe Josh Rubin is just really busy right now, but I think I think he will find the time to also eventually reach out and say, "Well, Regina King already reached out. Can you do it in tandem?" <laughs> I would love to learn all of your genres. <laughs> we love you all, and then Denzel. Well, I'm a board too, so and I mean, naturally, everybody's going to want to teach me directing. It'll be. Carla's private course on directoring, which I can then pay forward by becoming an amazing director and then teaching directoring myself to other aspiring suburban moms. <laughs> Just two aspiring suburban moms. That's it. Everybody else can go to hell. It'll be your niche. Everybody else can go straight to hell. This is just for the suburban moms. <laughs> we <laughs> have difficult lives. We have to deal with ungrateful. No, my, 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 my son is actually pretty wonderful, but we have to deal with children. Who, who end up with like weird things on their walls. You have to be like, go wash this off. How did this get there? And it turns out that it's chocolate. And you're like, how did you get chocolate in the wall? You know what? Don't even answer that. Here's a wipe. Go fix it. Um, <laughs> Suburban moms will understand. You see, Erin, you're looking at me all perplexed because you don't understand. I'm not a suburban mom. Yes. But which is why suburban moms need this. Let us have this, Erin. <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to step on your dream. <laughs> We're dream makers, not dream stakers. <laughs> That's true. Dream stakers is for our vampire division. That's right. So, Kim? <laughs> Anything I say feels really unimportant. <laughs> I just want to help Carla make her dream of directing come true. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate your support. <laughs> As for the directing stuff, I don't really have a ton. I didn't see Whitney. I wanted to, but I don't have cable anymore, so it just didn't come around. But I have seen both seasons of uh, American Horror Story. I didn't know that everyone hated 
Roanoke. I love Roanoke. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't, I've got, I make bad decisions. Like I love Cuba getting Junior in that. So like, I, I think everybody's great in that, but the episode that she directed, you can't tell she directed it. Like there's no, there's no touch at all. But, um, the one that she did for cult, you can kind of see that like a female had like a strong hand in it. Um, it's the episode where like all the men go crazy and the women have to like put their plan into motion to like get out from underneath these like crazy dudes. So you can see like the female touch and the direction. But also, like, that season is really weird to me. It might be the clowns. It might be the, like, Trump thing. It's too much. I really don't like that season. I would take Roanoke over that season. <laughs> Everyone hates clowns. They're creepy. They're creepy. And in this season, they're extra creepy. But yeah, I, I will get back to you when I watch Whitney, which I plan on doing sometime this week. I hope it's uh, I hope it's better than, I don't know, I just, I just think you can't really see that she directed in um, American Horror Story. I don't I don't love it. It might have just been the subject matter. It might have been Evan Peters just being Evan Peters so aggressively. He got he he coats. He's like a wax sometimes. Like he's a bit too much. Yes. Yes. It's a oh lot. Oh my gosh, that's the perfect way to describe him. <laughs> and yes. he plays too many serial killers because in that episode, he's playing like uh Jim Jones. He plays uh, whoever the cult leader was uh, who they all wear Nikes and killed themselves. Uh, Heaven's Gate. Yes. That cult leader. Like it's like a bunch of like little vignettes in the beginning where Mm -hmm. he's a cult leader. And it's just like enough. Please stop playing murderers. Please just do something very chill. Maybe a comedy. I don't know. Maybe the otherhood too. Like just do something. (laughs) You can hate his mom and not kill her. (laughs) The other hood too. Just give her the cold shoulder. Leave her. Let her live, though. <laughs> yeah. But uh, for Dream Project, so I I like read the question wrong and then reinterpreted myself. So I was thinking it was like dream roles that I wanted Angela to play. It can be that too. It can be that. But too. Yeah. I like flipped it because I don't know who I want her to play. But I want to know who's going to play her because I want a biopic. I, it might have to be holograms because she's so fantastic. Like, I don't know who could do the lip and the arms and have all the range. Like, it might just have to be a series of holograms. I'm, I'm not sure who could play her. But <laughs> I would love to see that biopic. Not soon. Like, I want to be, like, 80 going to the theater seeing it. Like, and I'd be really excited with my tissues. But I would love to see a biopic of her life. Like, I want to see her, like, meeting her husband for the first time. Like, I think their romance is so sweet. Like. I would love to see a movie just about her life. Yeah. Well, yeah. When he's like, when he's got his iPhone out and he's video. He's just like taking videos. Oh like, like, sir, there are so many cameras here, but like you do it. It's sweet. It's so it's sweet. It's so cute. It's so cute. It's, it's like, oh, look. <laughs> so knock on wood, we get to see that soon <laughs> again. <laughs> so Tiff. Okay, I I'm going to um I'm gonna piggyback what Kim said about Roanoke. I don't hate that season. I don't. I don't hate it. Like I mean, no, I I don't. I hate that. You know what uh, AHS season? I hate. I hate the one about the hospital. I hate that. I that's one that I'm like I could never watch again. You hate asylum. It was I so hate disturbing. As- I hate asylum. I don't know if it's because of the subject matter. That could be why why I dislike it so much, but I did not like Asylum. That's like the one that I'm like, no, no, I'm sorry. I broke our streak. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I broke our streak. <laughs> She's gone. Oh my god! For the first time in Venom and Pod history, Erin has booted herself from her own show. She booted <laughs> herself off the cliff. The betrayal is too strong. She had to leave. <laughs> too much. It was too much. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I take it back, Erin. I take it back. <laughs> Delete that footage. It's funny. Delete that footage. <laughs> So, okay, so I did watch the Lifetime movie of Whitney, and I was skeptical because it's um, Yaya DaCosta. And for those of the listeners who don't know who Yaya is, Yaya was the runner up on America's Next Top Model season of two, two or three. It's been a long time, y'all. I mean, I watched this live and I was like in my early, early 20s. So do the math. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so she was the runner up. Uh, she she lost to Eva the Diva, Eva Marcel. So yeah, so Yaya, her acting, uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not great. <laughs> Yaya's acting is not great, okay? Um when I look at her act, I always think that girl, you should have stayed as a model. Sorry. Not trying to be too mean there, Yaya, but you are gorgeous. Your body is insanity. You should have just stayed modeling. <laughs> um, this feels like I don't, beautiful gowns. Uh, yeah, beautiful gowns. Beautiful <laughs> gowns. Beautiful gowns. You know, bathing suits, shoes. Leather goods, treat yourself. I mean, you know, <laughs> but she, uh, yeah, it's hard to see Angela's imprint on this. I think it's because it's a lifetime movie and it's over the top in not a great way. And I think when you have that sort of thing, the network, Lifetime, just like Hallmark has with all of their Christmas stuff, that's always the same blueprint. They have a certain expectation that their loosely biopics are going to follow a certain pattern and it's always going to be extremely out of character and extremely over the top. And that's what you get with this. So I would like to see her get something that is uh, not based on Lifetime and is not based on the Hallmark Channel. Give us something, you know, like maybe a little indie film, something small, uh, to yeah, to really, to you know, even something on stage. I think that would be cool if she did something like that. Um, oh, Shakespeare in the Park, (laughs) that would be awesome. But uh, like a modern interpret interpretation of like The Tempest or Othello or something like that. I don't know, but um, for a dream project for her. Now this would be as this would be her not directing, but acting. I would love to see her as a woman who was part of the Harlem Renaissance. Her name was Anita Scott Coleman. And this is uh, something interesting for you, Carla. She was born in Guaymas. Guaymas? Is that correct? Guaymas, Mexico? G-U-A-Y-M-A-S. Guaymas? It's entirely possible. Am I saying that wrong? (laughs) No, I've just never heard of the place before. Okay. Well, she was born there. (laughs) So she was born in Mexico in 1890. Her father was a Buffalo soldier and her mother was, uh, they met at uh, Fort Collins and then moved to Mexico where they had her. 
uh, they had Anita. Then they moved back to the States and they lived in um, New Mexico. So, which is interesting, a black family in New Mexico during this time frame, right? So uh, she was raised in New Mexico. She graduated from New Mexico Teachers College in 1916. And then starting in 1919, all the way to 1948, she wrote um, and had 30 short stories, poet uh, poems, um, and long-form essays published with a variety of different um, publications. She's considered a part of the Harlem Renaissance, even though she never lived in Harlem. <laughs> She never lived in New York. The closest she ever got to New York was actually Virginia. And then she and her husband actually moved. So she moved from New Mexico to Virginia. And then from Virginia, they actually moved to LA. So yeah. So she actually passed away when she died in 1960. She died in, in, uh, in Los Angeles. So, but her work shows, um, she wrote about racial pride, lynchings, employment discrimination, and uh, segregation. And she wrote it from the black woman's perspective. Uh, so I would think that would be really interesting seeing a black woman who was born in Mexico, raised in New Mexico, and then, you know, traveling across the country and everything like that. And I would love to see what Angela could do with that. I think she would be amazing in that role. But that's just me. No, yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah. It could write that one too. And Carla can direct that one too. Yes, Carla, please. All I ask is for a production credit producing credit. That's of it. course. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, I also watched Whitney. It's not good. <laughs> it's so no, it's not good. I'm sorry. It's just not good. I was like, uh, I, and it's, it's not really the directing fault at all. It's not Angela Bassett's fault at all that this movie isn't good. It's the script is terrible. The performances. Oh my gosh. And, um, who is it again? Who plays Bobby Brown? He wasn't good either. I can't remember. But that the, the casting, I don't know. It was just kind of weird to me. <laughs> Some of the casting choices were okay. So sadly, that wasn't – sadly, it's like you, I can't really judge the, the television as much, uh, those television episodes. Um, and so this is the main judging. And – Sadly, it's like I, I want her to do something where she's not tied to, like you said, Tiff, to those lifetime bonds. You know, I mean, granted, if you watch the unauthorized Saved by the Bell story, that's a whole other level of amazing biopics. <laughs> it's hard to say that with a straight face. I, By the way, I've had the Saved by the Bell theme song stuck in my head all day long. I you know. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I watched that stupid thing this morning. Uh, it's all my brain could take. So anyway. But no, I, I think getting stuck in that and getting stuck in that lifetime mold, which I've watched so many lifetime movies and they all fit the same little formula. And unfortunately, this one definitely did too. And it was more like about, you know, like it was more wanting to be a little bit more salacious and stuff and tabloidy. And I didn't like that. So sadly, I was disappointed in that, but it's not her fault at all. I don't think she did a bad job or anything. You know, she did what she had to do, which, you know, the best directors, you don't notice that they're directing, really. It's just you're, you're you know, that you're noticing the performances and how everything is coming together. But I still don't blame her. I think it was just she was given a bad script and not the best actors and she tried her best. 
So I would love to see her do like a small, like you said, a small indie project would be just amazing. Like a small character driven film where she could really, really, really put herself out there and show you what she can really do. Because I think she can do this definitely, but she just needs to be given the right material. And so I would love to see her do that for sure. And, you know, as far as like, if there was a dream role, that's very hard to say. I I like all the ones that everybody else picked. So um, I second all those. But on top of that, I always want more indie character driven films. So I'd love to see her in more of those, you know, a story where she could have a lot of um, quiet moments, because I think sometimes people forget that she how much how great and how big her range is. And I would love to see that like a very quiet inner performance and maybe watching a character change and grow and um, something like that. Or like even like a small indie drama where she's starring just alongside maybe just one other person and it's almost like a play. But, and speaking of that, I would just love to see more stage stuff. Um, I always want to see actors on stage and I'd love to, I'd love to just, I'd love her to become an EGOT winner. It's sad to me that she's not even close to that, but we can, we're dream makers. We can make this happen. It's a good thing that we have like so many projects for dream makers. <laughs> We've got like 30 already. Yes. We just we have need- no funding. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> we, we just need funding and people to like actually want to work with us. And then we're all set. We are good to go after that. Yes. How would you not want to work with us? I, I mean, we know. have really great ideas. We really do. Exactly. Why would you not want to? We have so I've years add- and years of watching stuff under our belts. So I, I honestly think that we're the most qualified people out there. And not only that, reviewing fanfic. Yes. Yes. I mean, and honestly, writing fanfic. Yes. And writing fanfic. Do you, do you need to know anything else? Plus we, we have among us an award-winning um, screenplay writer. Aaron has won an award for, a screenplay. I have, yes. So yes. a legit one even. So yes, it is like, legit. Yes. Nothing I'm made up right now. <laughs> I'm not even making it up. She actually did. No, I did. I did. I, I won the Lizzie Award, is what it's called, because it's Lizzie Borden acts in a film role. It's for a horror short screenplay that I wrote. So yes, yes. So see, see all the talent you have at your feet. I just I am going to I'm going to ask Aaron A to create a page on our website titled Dream Makers. <laughs> and then Carla you'll record your song and we'll have that play on there yes. in a loop. Yes, it's just going to be Dream Makers. Yeah. Over and over and over. It's our own cult. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um so once again, this is incredibly easy. We've already kind of mentioned <laughs> you can connect her. So, did anyone play Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock? And the, one of the easiest one I think we have actually ever done. <laughs> Tiff, I'm going to keep on surprising you because I'm going to keep on playing <laughs> after not playing for like the last what nine months. I'm going to keep it up. So, and I didn't take the easy route out either. I didn't. So, Angela Bassett was in How Stella Got Her Groove Back with 
Regina the King, who we covered last week, who was in Watchmen with Gene Smart, who was in Harry's Law with Finn Whitrock. Oh my gosh, Tiff, you are killing it. Wow, wow. Tiff. I know, mention all these movies that I'm like, ha way to go. So, Kim, did you do one? No, I got overwhelmed, so I stopped. <laughs> you didn't even just do Hotel? There's Finn in Hotel? No. <laughs> I got to one that was like, or, oh, well, he- Or Freak Show? Yeah, I did that, and then I was show. like, well, no, I should do like something harder, and then I was just like, no, I gotta go. <laughs> I was like, I'll leave that to the experts. I'm sure someone did a better one, and Tiff did. So, I mean, how could I compete? <laughs> no, but trust me, nobody beats Susie's. Nobody. Yeah, Susie's. Susie's. Because Su- yeah, yeah, Susie did a deep dive. It, I mean, she went. She went there. She went for it. I was she impressed. Even, she even read off reviews. <laughs> Yeah, she she connected, and I don't now I can't remember which episode it was on because for a long time Meg's connection to Dungeons and Daddy's podcast was the best, but then Susie connected Finn, um, connected I can't remember what it was, but connected that to Finn Whitrock to his very very first stage performance. I and she, yes, that was on oh, an episode she, I did because I was very impressed. Was, okay, I was like, right. yes, what? Okay, <laughs> like she did do a deep dive. I was gonna say that, yeah. Like she did it to a stage performance. And I was just like, how did you know that? <laughs> and then she was like reading. She is a member of my Finn crew. So she does love Finn Whitrock like I do. But still, she was like reading reviews that he had received. And <laughs> so that was our one of our birthday presents to Finn. Was to that to him Because he does know about us. Someday I'm going to get him on this podcast. And I'm going to make him play six degrees of himself. <laughs> I am. And then he can just name check actors that he knows. <laughs> like, this is your time to brag. <laughs> Go ahead and name drop. Yeah. I'll be like, I'll just give him some random movie I'll select on the internet just randomly. The most random. Uh, it'll have to be some B-horror movie. Dark Water <laughs> or Deep Water? What was that one? That's the shell propaganda movie. Dream the snow water. propaganda. No, no, no. The one that he's in with like Ben Affleck. That yeah, one, deep yeah. Water. Snail propaganda. Snail. I thought you said shell, but yeah, snail. Snail. That no, makes snail propaganda. <laughs> that I movie was like, is, is this like about big oil? What is this about? <laughs> that would have been a better movie than the one in the A better motive, yes. everything. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, Ben Affleck's character, for some odd reason, has snails loves snails I know. <laughs> don't bother watching it just trust us <laughs> yeah. you don't but have do, to worry about that i don't like no thanks but do go to our red bubble store and pick up it's a snail thing which you honestly can pick up there <laughs> yeah so i you know usually i try to do like a different way I honestly, my brain is so fried. <laughs> so I just am doing the easy way out. And I am going to go ahead and use hotel because then I can mention, and I haven't mentioned this character in forever, Tristan Duffy, Tristan and Liz, the best couple that ever existed. The only couple that should ever exist in American Horror Story universe. Amen. <laughs> And I still am mad at you for what you, how you killed Tristan. So 
we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. And I just want to thank my lovely panelists for being here, for putting up with me, for being amazing and beautiful human beings. And now I'll go around. And as I'm talking in this very soft-spoken voice, I will ask my panelists to let everybody know where they can be found and where their podcast can be found. Carla. Thank you, Erin. On this ASMR portion of It's a Fanfic Pod, I will tell you where you can find me. <laughs> Babbling Brook. Babbling Brook. You can find Bad Weather Bad Podcast wherever you get your calming, <laughs> soothing podcasts. You can also find us retweeting stuff on Twitter. At Bed Wet Bed Pod. On Instagram at bed.wed.behead.pod. You can find me and my art and my musings at Gadlatemis on Instagram or my website, gadlatemis.com. That's C A R L A T E M I. Dot com. I I didn't even do anything because I was laughing too hard. So. <laughs> My gosh. Oh, I think that's the best close out we've had from you, Carla. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> so Kim. Where can they find you and your podcast? Just here living in this moment forever. This has been so fun. This has been so fun. Oh, I'm so glad I met you all tonight. This has been so fun. Um, so you can find me at Kim Plains underscore NYC. Um, new episodes of my podcast, Big Reputations, come out every other Wednesday. Our Instagram handle for that is Big Reputations Pod. And our Twitter handle is Big Rep Pod. And... I think we're still on there. I'm pretty sure my partner handles that. Um, but I'm on Instagram just sharing all sorts of things all day constantly. So you should follow us there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on. And I'm so glad I could bring everybody together. So Tiff. <laughs> oh, I'm awake. I'm sorry. Carlos soothed me. To sleep. <laughs> to sleep. She soothed me to sleep. I am sorry, door. but also proud. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is why I love being on It's a Fandom Fake Pod. But if you need to shout me out, I'm somewhere floating out there in social media on that who is Tiff is me. Uh, yeah, just, just come give me a shout. And like I said, I will also do my homework if you'd like to have me as a podcast guest. Because I love being on podcasts. It's hilarious. For that and more content, find me. And who is Tiff is me. Yes, definitely do that. I love having Tiff on. I, I get sad when it's like months go by, and which is not going to be the case because she's on like the next quite a few episodes. So <laughs> there will be one little break and then she's back. So, but yes, I'm so I love having Tiff on. So definitely reach out to her. And this is Aaron. And once again, you cannot follow me on Twitter. Well, you can, but there's no point to it. <laughs> so I'm not going to stop you, but I don't know why you want to. Um, but be sure to follow the amazing future future star 
She's going to be starring in an action horror thing with Penn Badgley, part of our Dream Makers series. <laughs> Fergie, who is a dog, uh, but go follow Fergie on TikTok at S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. That's Schroeder and Fergs. And be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you would like to reach out to us about Carla's directoring, about uh, Dream Makers, about being on the podcast as an interview guest, feel free to head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there. That'll shoot me an email and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Or I'll forward the email to Carla if it's about directoring. Don't worry. And next week, and I have not created the DM, so apologies to two of my panelists for this one are right here in front of my face. Um, but on our next episode, we are going to be kicking off. March is going to be our topic month. So we are kicking it off with talking about a very light subject, misogyny and fandom. So very light. Uh, and so that will be the sexy ladies. That's Carla, Meg, and Tiff. But that should be a ton of fun. That month is going to be a blast. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate.